Hello, this is Lady Sarah, and you are listening to The Basement Lounge. Hey guys, this is Mike Shea, and I want to talk to you about Anchor. Yes, Anchor is the brand new free way for you to get your podcast career off and running without any cost to you. Simply download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast to give you everything you need in one place for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds play magnifique without having to worry about all the costly setup. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all of that. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. They set you up with awesome sponsors. All you got to do is record a script, kind of like what I'm doing now, throw it onto your show and start making money. Once again, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get your podcast career off and running right now. Just do it already. Hey guys, this is Mike, and before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know that you can now join the Basement Lounge team by supporting the show on Patreon. Right now, we have a $1 tier that is so full of cool rewards, you'd be a fool to pass it up. Just go to patreon.com slash basementloungepod to sign up right away, and now, on with the show. Grab a drink, pull up a chair, and settle in, because you're in... The Basement Lounge. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Basement Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Shea. This is the cool, relaxed space. We talk to podcasters, actors, musicians, all kinds of rising stars in the world of entertainment. And uh, this is a guy who we had early on when the show was Mike Talks Funny. And holy shit, I haven't seen him since. And that's kind of a crime. And we're thrilled to have him on here. He is the host of the Movie Review Hour podcast. He lives right around the corner from me, so there's really not a whole lot of an excuse to not ever see this guy, but I don't. It's Kyle Steele, ladies and gentlemen. I Listen, we're all busy. I get <laughs> it. You're cool. <laughs> we are busy. We are busy, busy people. Yes. You, on top of uh, running a, a, a hardcore movie po- podcast, and we're going to get into that in a sec, you yep. also are selling houses like... Like hotcakes around. That's what Dayton, I'm doing, man. man. That's what I'm trying to do. And I have another. Po- I have an MMA podcast. Oh, that's right. I do. Oh, so, um, and that's and what's funny is the MMA podcast numbers wise is far more successful than the movie one, and it's really not even close. That's surprising. Yeah, that's my by far. It, right, I have a network. I have an MMA network now where there's six different podcasts that merged into mine. Oh, jeez. So yeah, I mean oh. it's it is been there, man. It's wild, man. Like we have so many. There's so many shows on there. I only run one show a week on it, right. but there are, I believe, six shows on the on the network jeez. right now. So it's it's pretty cool. It's kind of like what you have, but I just got other yeah. people doing it. So yeah, it's no, pretty cool. I look, I I did the network thing for a number of years. It was yes. it was it was busy. It was it was fun until it wasn't. Sure. <laughs> Um, but that's how it goes. Good for you though, man. That's really cool. And you know what I think, I think it is, is because there are five and a half billion movie review podcasts out there. Um, there's not as big a mark. There's not, not as big a uh, pool of MMA. And and what I do is also very specific. Right. So, I mean, really specific. (laughs) So you either (laughs) like it or you don't, you know, and there really is no in between, but I'll say that the people who listen, uh, I we get good feedback. We know we yeah. get we get good listener involvement on that one. That's good. Where even though the MMA one does much bigger numbers, 
I don't necessarily get as much interaction. Right. You know, there's probably five or six people interact with me on Twitter. But for the movie one, people will message me, text me. You know, friends of mine listen. My mom listens to it every single week. Well, let's, you know? let's get into it, man. So yeah, sure. The last time we had you on, you were the host of the Nicolas Cage Movie Review Hour. Yes. That show has since evolved because, as tends to happen... You, you did all of Nicolas Cage's <laughs> movies. movies. Which I never thought was even... Um, you, you don't even think it's possible no, until you do it. Because he says yes to everything, so surely yeah. it will never run out, and then he just got to stop doing movies. I, I believe there was, and, and don't quote me on this, but I believe, in, and we were only counting movies. We didn't do any of the cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did bonus episodes of some stuff, but right. for the actual number count, we didn't do any cartoons. We didn't do any bit rolls. Okay. We didn't do any, uh, you know, like... Early on, where he's just like, uh, back when he was credited as Nicholas Coppola. You know, well, we, I mean, we did like, uh, oh my god, was it Fast Times Regiment? Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, he was in one scene. You know yeah. what I mean? So that kind of stuff doesn't count. Even getting rid of all of that. Yeah, I think it was ninety movies. So many movies. I think it was ninety movies, and, and he's still and he has six <laughs> more coming out. It's. <laughs> So, so we've busy. already done one this year. We did one a couple weeks ago. Score to Settle came out. Oh, really? Which actually, not a bad fucking movie, man. I, I, I've heard, not a bad movie at all. I've heard some of his more recent stuff has been Mandy was pretty good. I Mandy heard, was fantastic. I heard Mandy. I still haven't seen it. I heard Mandy was Mandy was for. was. If I don't think it was his magnum opus by right. any means. No. You know, that's how like that's people overreacting off. to things. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. Uh, it's not his magnum opus by any means, right. although I understand where people are coming from. Sure. You know, because it is a, uh, oh, I was going to get really nerdy, but yeah, yeah, it's. No, yeah, go for it, man. No, 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 you're, trust me, just, we'll just we'll keep it at that. We, we do you know, do you, you realize they have two movie shows. Oh, I know, I know thing. you do, trust me, I know. I'm like, but I don't know if the listeners want to hear me just like get real nerdy with, because I'm also a big reader, and yeah. that's something I do, so. Um, I, I was I was gonna compare it to like Blood Meridian, which okay. I thought, and the reason why I'm thinking of yeah. it is because I thought you had it on your bookshelf because it looks really similar to that. Okay, I'm a big Cormac McCarthy fan. He's only written like 13 oh, books, okay. unlike Nicolas Cage. He's written like 13 <laughs> books, but all 13. He's like 90 years old. Yeah, and all 13 of them are incredible. Right, he's one of those kind of guys. Um, yeah. And one of his books is called Blood Meridian, which is his, is his magnum opus. It's incredibly violent. Uh, yes. it's, I mean, it's just, it's hard to even describe. You have to just read it. And that is how Mandy is. Mandy mm-hmm. is this wildly violent, wildly visual. Uh, I mean, it, it, there's points that it feels like you're on a bad acid trip. Mm-hmm. There's points that uh, it, you feel it, you know, you feel it in your gut. Uh, there's a moment where, where Nick Cage does... He does his cage rage. Yes. And it couldn't be any more flawless <laughs> and perfect. So I get it. I get why people clamor toward it. And I get the yeah. uh, the magnum opus talk. But it wasn't. I promise. Okay. I promise it wasn't. It was just a opus. really good it movie. It was just a very good movie that was very unique. And, and it did what, and, and this is one of my favorite things. I love when a medium does what that medium is good at. Mm-hmm. I love when... You can re- like read a book, uh, Invisible Monsters. Mm-hmm. So when Chuck Palnick, who wrote Invisible Monsters, also wrote Fight Club, famously. Yeah. Right? If you don't know who the fuck Chuck Palnick is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in case people don't know, he wrote fucking Fight Club, so you yeah. know who he is. Uh, but he wrote a book called Invisible Monsters. This actually was his first book. Was that his first one? It got released later. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, that's it, why there's I'm, a story okay. to it. So his first book, technically, that he wrote that's was like what a, happened with Harper Lee was Invisible Monsters. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, it was Invisible Monsters. 
and he brought it to them and they're like sure. this will never sell like we would love to sell it yeah this won't sell so i don't remember what book he did and then he does fight club and the rest is history so he gets really famous so they go okay we'll we'll try they release invisible monsters in a different format where it reads more like a book okay so they go back to him and they say hey let's do a book called invisible monsters remix and we'll do it the way that you originally gave it to us so okay. the way that he had originally done Invisible Monsters, which if you've read Invisible Monsters, the themes are all about beauty. And, yeah. uh, it's a really, really, really amazing book. You guys should check it out if you haven't. But anyway, the remix version, the way that he had initially intended it was to read like a magazine. Mm-hmm. So you get to the end of the section and it says jump to page whatever. And you go not like a choose your own adventure. It's set mm-hmm. up like a magazine. That's kind of how magazines okay. are. It'll the, people will flip through the magazine, read the articles they want to read, and discard the rest. Mm-hmm. That's how the book was. So you actually can read the entire book and then miss these giant sections, which is how he wanted it to be. He wanted there to be That's a book where you cool. miss whole sections, and then there's other parts of the book that are like written backwards because the book is all about image. So you have oh. to flip it into a mirror to read the pages. So you have to look in a mirror to read the book. That so, is fucking fascinating. And what I love about that, right, is that that is an example of a book doing what only a book can do, right? Yeah, yeah. Same thing with movies. What's cool about Mandy is that Mandy is doing something that only a movie can do. No other medium can do what this is doing. And to me, that's what makes it really good art, right? Because anybody can point a camera and shoot. But to do something that's both visually stunning and has this wild aesthetic mixed with the music, mixed with the acting, right? It, it, it can't be, you can't replicate that in a book. Mm-hmm. You can't, re- if Mandy was a book, I wouldn't read it. Right. But I'll watch the movie again. You know what I mean? Well, so it, it, it's, it's like with Stephen King, you know, his stuff doesn't always translate as well to film. Sure. As it does when it's in when it's in a book form. He also did a bad job at saying no. He he, he did, did the Nicolas Cage thing, but it was selling movie rights. Well, yeah, because because he did the thing where you could get the rights to his film for a dollar. Yes, because and, he and, and it just didn't pay off. No, and then he tried doing it himself, and we got Maximum Overdrive. Woo! Oh man, one of the best terrible. Yes. Oh, that movie is that movie is. It's got a truck with the Green Goblin's face on it. And I love its <laughs> definition of machine. Because they're very, because they're very loose. There's some yeah. things that the movie posits isn't a machine because it's not alive. Right. But then like a sprinkler system will have a mind of its own. Well, even like like guns. Like at one point there's a military vehicle. It's like, is that a machine? That's shooting the gun on its own. But then later we see them using guns and I'm like, well, how come those guns are Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. How, how come the electric knife is a machine, but the jukebox is fine? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, the the definition of machine for that one was pretty loose. Goosey. I also just love the conversation that Emilio has with the truck where he's like, I got the best cat at the best gas this side of the Mississippi, 100% uncut. I'm like, it's gas. Nobody <laughs> talks like this. It, you know, not even not even the marauders right? talked about gas that deeply, right? Like, Oh, Jesus. You know, I think the last Nick Cage movie I saw, I can't believe we're still talking about Nick Cage. <laughs> Was uh, was rage? I watched ninety fucking movies of his, so I can talk about him as much as you want. I uh, guess the last one I saw though was Rage, which back was in, like, not all that great. No, it really wasn't. I, I wasn't terrible. But. I, it was yeah, like it wasn't his worst by a long shot, uh, but it definitely wasn't his. I, I liked the twist at the end. I was like, oh, that's kind of a. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Don't tell me. Yeah, was the twist that. It was something about his. Someone killed his. It was like the boyfriend killed the daughter. 
It was. It was instead an, of somebody broke in. It was accidental. It they, was that an accidental yeah, death they, or something. They, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. found his gun and were playing with it, and it just went off. Yeah, yeah. he thought that somebody had broken yeah. in, and he was trying to track him down. Yeah, and yeah. he basically started like a like a three way gang war. And yeah, <laughs> all because all over an accident. <laughs> so the moral of that story is just tell the fucking truth, and then yeah. you won't have gang wars. Exactly, guys. If you yeah. lie, you'll cause the Russians and the Italians and the Japanese to go to war with each other. <laughs> exactly. The truth can set you free and save the world. Folks. I like it. So now that you've gone through all of Nick Cage's filmography, which is a which is a feat in of, a, of, in of itself, yes, you have now you've changed one the, of my proudest accomplishments. That, that is truly that is to be commended. And I'm the only one on the podcast that did it because well, yeah, there were people that missed weeks, yeah. and I was the host, so I did it every week. That, that's like I don't even think the Nostalgia Critic has done every Nick Cage Oof. movie, and he's done a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> But now you you change the name of the show to the Movie Review Hour yep. to give it a bit more of a, a broader spectrum. So we can do a season two, and now you're doing all Sandra Bullock films. Yes, holy shit, that's we're almost done, and you're almost done, and and <laughs> and that's an endeavor in and of itself because like like Nick Cage is is I mean he's a human meme for crying out loud. Yes, um, and so people have such a weird fascination with him. To do a podcast with your all his movies kind of kind of defines itself. Yes, Sandra Bullock is America's sweetheart, sir, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. that's that's ballsy. We wanted to do someone. We we had we actually had this conversation, mm-hmm. and we wanted to do someone. We wanted to kind of flip Nicolas Cage on its head a little bit mm-hmm. and go, okay, not what's the opposite of Nicolas Cage, but. Mm-hmm. What are the attributes that Nicolas Cage doesn't have? And let's do that. But as an actress, let's let's right. kind of let's do a female and then we'll go male and we'll that way we can kind of play it, play it fair. You know what I mean? And sure. And, and mix it up next season. You can do Tilda Swinton because who knows what she is. There it is. <laughs> Listen, we I think you know who I really want to do for the next female. Huh. And I, I nobody I can't get anybody to agree with me. So maybe if I get the listeners of this podcast, maybe okay. you, whoever I want to do Whoopi Goldberg. Because I think it'd be fucking hilarious. Oh, dude. She's been in so many movies. I there's there's b- weird ones. There's good ones. I mean, she's been in think, some of the greatest movies ever made. I don't think you understand how much I love Sister Act 1 and 2. Oh, listen. They're fantastic. Those are two of the best comedies of the 90s. The Color Purple. 80s? The Color Purple defined a generation. Oh, my God, The book yes. by Alice Walker is Holy shit. one of the greatest books ever written. And I don't even like that kind like, of book. People still talk about that movie. Yes. Like It's one of those movies that has been in the conversation of great films. It was Oprah in that shit. Oprah was in that. So I just want to like, I I I really I want to do Whoopi Goldberg for the next for the next woman, and I can't get anybody on board. I endorse. I fully endorse. Thank you. The host of the Basement Lounge. There it is. That's all I needed. Fully endorses. I'll get to. I'll talk to Don. We'll get his podcast endorsing it. Hell yes. Who else has a podcast? Terry. Fucking, I'll, I'll get Jim City. Everybody in this I'll get town. It. Has everybody a has a podcast, right? Yeah. Is John's podcast still going? They, they haven't. They haven't quit uh, on that one yet. The Cruminati's still going. Okay. All right. It's a little intermittent, but it's still going. All right. I'll give that in a couple weeks, but, but yeah, I'll try man. to get the endorsement while I still can. That's, oh, that's great. Yeah, get, get, we'll get Aaron Lopez to, to sign off. There it on. is. Get all that. I would. I would love that. Yeah. Um, the next man I would like to do, and I think we might all be in agreement on this one. I want to do Brad Pitt. Oh, that's that's a hell of a because that because that means at some point you got to talk about Cool World. Well, and there's he, he has been in some stinkers. He's been in a lot yeah. more recently than you guys might think. Oh God, yes. He, he's getting to a point where he's starting to accept a lot of things, but he's also been in a bunch of Tarantino's work, so we get to yeah. see that. And here's the big thing: there's no crossover between Nicolas Cage and Sandy B. There's no crossover between Cage, Sandy B, and Brad Pitt. Even though there is a weird tie-in because. 
Sandra Bullock did Oceans 13, whatever the she fuck did, it's called. Yeah, Oceans 8. Oceans, Oceans 8. 8 yeah. She did Oceans 8. Which is technically a In the universe where exactly. So, but he's not in that one. So it's kind of cool. There's yeah. a connection there. I was actually surprised there were no cameos. Yeah, I, you thought for sure George Clooney, right? I thought, I thought somebody. Because that's somebody. that's his sister, right? Yeah. She plays his sister. Yeah. Some, so Somebody, I mean, obviously not Bernie Mac, but I was so, so sure that some that was not a dig. Why not Bernie Mac? Because <laughs> he did. Um, <laughs> um, but I was so sure somebody was going to show up in that thing. Carl Reiner, um, Matt Damon has been popping. I mean, Jesus, when Matt Damon randomly popped up in Interstellar, I was like, really? I literally, okay. <laughs> I cannot hear Matt Damon's name mm-hmm. without hearing it in the South Park voice. He goes, Matt, Matt Damon. I can't. I literally can't hear his name <laughs> without hearing that. Oh man, um, yeah, Sandra Bullock. I because I I fucking love Sandra Bullock, and uh, my 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 dad. Uh, I remember him telling me one time that uh, he was Sandra Bullock is his celebrity hall pass. There you go. My, my mom's is Colin Firth. Uh, I'm gonna pick two. <laughs> boy, I don't even know who mine would be. Yeah. I'll, a, I'll try to think of that. It's, as it's we're a talking. hard. It's hard to pick because there's, there's so many, gorgeous women out there. There are Ooh. a lot more gorgeous women than there are gorgeous men. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, look, ladies. We all know every single one of you wants Jason Momoa. That's fine. I, I get it. Listen, I'd I buy, get it. I'd buy bang him too for being I, honest. Look, I yeah. would. If he walked in and said bend over, I'd be like, yeah, all right. That's What's fine. It, what is <laughs> it in? Uh, it's that episode of The Office where like, uh, uh, Andy's talking about. He's like, if if Brad Pitt was really pushing himself on me and oscar's like in what universe would brad pitt be trying to force himself on you? i know i know what the fuck would, would like why would jason momoa that's coming to basically be like fuck me when he's got when he's got access to lisa benet at yeah. all times but he wants mike but shea he wants mike shea's hairy ass <laughs> oh man um yeah i i love sandra bullock i um i to this day will watch miss congeniality anytime it's on tv it's good it, it didn't it wasn't as good as I remember, mm-hmm. but it was still pretty good. And I, have you ever seen the second one? Not a good movie. The second one's terrible. The second one's now sucks. it's not Speed Two bad, but it's pretty bad. Oh, we don't got to talk. We don't got to talk about Speed Two. Yeah, we, Speed we can... Two is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. Let's make a sequel to Speed where the love interest is the main character. Okay, yeah. sure, because that's that's the character we all wanted to follow. And let's have her character. And they, and they did what sequels? And I figured this out. That's so why I love doing this movie podcast because mm-hmm. I've I just learned so much. I, yeah. I feel like if I were to, to make a movie now, because I've written scripts and stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like I were to make a movie now, I'd be a lot better at it from watching oh, this yeah. many movies. It's just like, you know, I write, right? I write. Mm-hmm. I've written scripts, but I've also written two novels and I've mm-hmm. done short stories. I do a lot of writing. Yeah. And the best teacher for writing was reading. And oh, it didn't matter sure. who it was. You know, I, I've been on a big Cormac McCarthy kick. I own all of Stephen King's books. You know, like I went on a big reading kick and that's how you learn how to fucking write is mm-hmm. by reading books. So the same thing with movies, right? You learn to write movies, I think, by watching a lot of them. Oh, you know, if you look agree. at Henry Kuto, who's the local guy, mm-hmm. go, go look at the shit that he's posting about. He watches movies yeah. every day, all day. And that's why he's a good director, right? Yeah. That's how this works. Uh, I don't even know where my train of thought was there, but <laughs> Speed 2. They did what sequels are... The reason why sequels suck, mm-hmm. for the most part, there's been good sequels, obviously. Sure. But the reason why sequels tend to suck is because here's what they do. And maybe everybody knows this, and this isn't some big epiphany I came to, but I came to this on my own. I, pre- I guess it's kind of like... You might be cracking the code right here. Well, on- listen, it's like joke stealing, right? Like, yeah. a lot of joke stealing isn't stealing. 
Yeah. It's you're just, and I heard you and Mike talking about this, right? Yeah. It's, it, you just, you think alike, you there's, know? There's, and There's only so many thoughts in the world. Exactly. And, and you kind of pick up on stuff. So, yeah. you know, maybe a bunch of people have thought about this already. Ha- but the ha- reason why yeah, yeah. sequels tend to suck is because they take what made the first movie popular, mm-hmm. right? Which was the, not the hidden shit, mm-hmm. but it was the stuff that got downplayed, mm-hmm. right? That's what really made the movies good, is that the movie was about A and B, mm-hmm. but then there was this underlying C, and that's what everyone loved about the movie, was that underlying C in addition to A and B. So when they make a sequel, they go, oh, everybody loved C, so let's make the whole movie about C, mm-hmm. and then put A and B underneath it. And what they don't realize is it was the nuance of C that made everybody love it. Well, it's like uh, you look and at... So they ham-fisted. Yeah. What made Miss Congeniality's character so fun in Miss Congeniality was the ditzy but passionate and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So they took it and they made her way ditzier. Mm-hmm. Then when she does her turn, she's way more... Uh, you know, not sinister, but she's way more kind of evil, like whatever yeah. it is. They just took everything and they play it all the way. What what made the first one so good was that juxtaposition uh, was was her resisting the the pageantry. Where in two, she's all about it. Fully embraces it yeah. even before there's a. You have to listen to that episode. Go listen to Missing Jelly <laughs> to the episode because we really broke into it and we yeah. made. Uh, by the end of it, we go. Here's what the plot should have been. Yeah, and we lay it out, and it's like. Holy fuck, that would have been a subst- And I'm not saying we're brilliant because we're not, but no. what the fuck? This would have been a much better movie. Sometimes it's just right there in front of you. It's um, so simple. Uh, not not to reference him again, but Nostalgia Critic did that with Ghostbusters 2. Mm. He's like, they could have made Ghostbusters 2 so much better if they had started the movie with the court case of them getting sued st- by yeah. the city and starting there as opposed to starting it you know, five years later, oh, they've already been sued and been out of business. We got to watch them become the Ghostbusters again. Listen, one of the <laughs> best pieces of advice for writing that I've ever been given mm-hmm. is start as close to the end as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, that's usually with short stories, but yeah. that works for everything. Start as close to the end of the story as possible. Mm-hmm. And and one of Kurt Vonnegut's advice was to heck with suspense. Yeah. You know, give your readers so much information that they can finish the story themselves if cockroaches were to eat the last few pages. Mm-hmm. A really good piece of advice. That's that's and really you can good. make a suspenseful novel or movie mm-hmm. while still keeping your viewers involved. What made mm-hmm. Premonition a, a Sandra Bullock movie? What made that's that movie, movie really not work as well as it could have is that they tried to keep you in the dark too much. Mm-hmm. You know what? Every single time she woke up, there should have been a title card that said what day of the week it was. Instead of right. <laughs> instead of trying to do this whole thing where you have to guess and then she does a timeline, like that's part of the twist. Mm-hmm. We all got it. We knew what was happening. Yeah. Put a fucking title card that says what day of the week it is. Keep your viewers involved in what's happening in front of them mm-hmm. so that way they can, instead of thinking about something else the whole time, they can focus on the movie. When, yeah. you, when, you, when you're that suspenseful, your viewer or your reader is taken out of the story, which is defeats the whole purpose of having the medium you want your people to be entertained you want them to forget about their shitty fucking lives for a few minutes not have them removed back into their shitty life as they're watching your movie yeah right so fuck suspense give your people information what uh, what's been your favorite sandra bullock movie so far so far There's a lot of good ones i had never seen demolition man 
Oh, man. And that's fantastic. Henrique, <laughs> speaking of Henrique, he's the one that did that one. That movie is is an underrated gem. That one was really, really good. Uh, what else am I thinking? What, I think it was Two Weeks Notice. Oh, with Hugh Grant. was a movie I had never seen before. You I know think what? I enjoyed it, that one quite a bit. That's not a bad movie. I'm trying to think. You asked me too quick. I as know. if I shouldn't have expected that question. <laughs> um, I, uh, there's been a couple. I can tell you Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I had never seen Adaptation before. I've never seen it. One of my favorite movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? I, that movie was profound. Mm. Like, that was one of those movies where, first of all, Nicolas Cage is incredible in it. Really? I mean, that might be his best acting. Whoa. He plays two characters that are twins. And it's the what? guy, and the, and the person he plays is the writer of the movie. So if you've never seen what? Adaptation, no. it's about the, <laughs> it's really, really strange. So it's the guy who wrote uh, Being John Malkovich. Okay. I can't remember the writer's name off the top of my head, mm. but it's the guy who wrote Being John Malkovich. If you look, he's written some incredible books okay. or some incredible movies. Uh, so he was told to adapt a movie of a book called, I think it was The Black Orchid or something. Again, I can't remember all this. Okay. So instead of adapting that book, he writes a semi-autobiographical movie about himself with a fictional version of him adapting that book. It's really strange. Oh, I want to watch this But so it's bad fucking Charlie awesome. Kaufman. Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. Incredible writer. Uh, yeah. Oh, the movie's yeah. amazing. Nicholas Cage plays both characters, him and his twin brother, which in real life, Charlie Kaufman does not have a twin brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, dude is phenomenal. The, the guy who plays uh, the main character opposite of Nicolas Cage is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's one of the best movies you're ever going to watch. I promise. Hopefully, I'm not talking it up too much. Uh, uh, but John, it's John Cusack? No. Um, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. This is being John Malkovich. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, but he was awesome in being John Malkovich. Though. Yes, he was. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Charlie Kaufman also wrote uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yes. Mind. He's an incredible writer. I mean, um, he's like, yeah. the, the um, man's gold. Like, yeah. he's one of my favorite, like, script writers. Um, there's, you know, I've been, I've been trying to pay more attention to write to, to, uh, you know, as a, as a movie guy, you know, growing up, a lot of times it was all about the actors. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to spend more time paying attention to the writers and the directors and the composers. Because uh, that's kind of the direction my my life has been taking me mm-hmm. as far as filmmaking goes. Um, oh, you yeah, you do films too. I forgot. I do. Yeah, it's 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 been fun. Uh, still still doing it. Got, got a couple I'm working on right now. Go go to my GoFundMe and fund it, people. I need there money. you go right. Holy shit, do I need money for this next one? Um, yeah. about five grand. So hop on it. Now listen, I got <laughs> I got I have scripts ready. Whenever you want to oh take them, buddy. Oh my god, take them and yeah. you can have them. Uh, that's I had some. <laughs> So I, ha- I actually had somebody reach out and send me a script earlier this year. They wanted me to direct. They said it was like some pet project of theirs, and they were just never able to get it off the ground. And I, I read through it. And first of all, it was 144 pages. Jeez. God help me. Um, second of all, it was just atrocious. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying I'm a fucking Charlie Kaufman or, or anything like that, but when the guy is writing reactions to his own jokes into the script, um, that was problematic for me. Um you know, it, it just it was weird. It but. seems like a, I wrote so I've I've written a lot of mostly what I've written in the past is like dark stuff, but yeah. I've done comedy too. You know, I've, I've, I have a hard time writing comedy because be, it's because, because you're a stand up. It's because I'm a comedian. Comedians, people would think stand ups have a hard time writing comedy 
for film and TV because it's you have to approach it differently. And I would never do stand up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's 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 a it's it's not as there's not a lot of, as much overlap as people think there is. Yeah. Just because somebody is a good stand-up doesn't mean they'll be a good comedy writer and vice versa. Or just writer in general. I mean, it takes yeah. writing is a different way of viewing the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's when you're, yeah. I would just I would never do stand-up. I have no. Yeah. I've I've gotten asked a lot just because I'm in the world. I believe the words you used when I brought that up last time were hard pass. Yeah, hard pass, <laughs> man. I just, it it doesn't sound fun to me. It doesn't yeah. sound interesting. It doesn't sound uh, cathartic. You know, it doesn't none of that comes right. to mind when I think about doing stand up, you yeah. know, to each their own, man. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, part of it is the way that I deal with, you know, I have massive anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, clinical anxiety. You mm-hmm. know, I don't I'm not medicated currently, but it'll get to points where I I'm having breakdowns and I have mm-hmm. to get back to zero you know what i mean is there anything in particular that that that, that triggers that or is it just it just no it's generalized its unfortunately yeah. um i mean there really is nothing uh it will just all of a sudden uh it'll i mean it's gotten so bad and i've never been depressed really i, I was a drug addict for a while okay. um i was on opiates for for years and uh Joined the military, cleaned myself out mm-hmm. doing that. I didn't know you did military. Yeah, I was in the army for a couple of years. I was an alcoholic when I was in the army, <laughs> but you know, I was an alcoholic prior to that. Right. It was just masked by drug use. Uh-huh. And then when I got in the army and I stopped the drug use, mm-hmm. so when alcoholism it, became much more prevalent. In in the army, was it just a just a, a single tour of service or yeah okay yeah in and out okay uh, I was a paralegal. I wasn't even really in the army. So right? so you, yeah, you weren't you weren't a boots on the ground. No, yeah. fuck no, <laughs> God no. Uh, no, I basically used the army as a detox program, you know. But you know what? You're not the first person no. I've heard of doing that, and I, I've it works for so many people. It, it worked for me because you kind of don't have a choice. Nope. And it, and it and it awoken. And what I found was my drug addiction, and this isn't you know prophetic. Yeah. My drug addiction was a direct correlation to my self esteem mm-hmm. and my lack of belief in myself. It was a direct correlation to that. So. What's great about the army is you're put into situations that there were things that I did mm-hmm. that I genuinely did not believe I was capable of doing. And I don't mean like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, like if you would have, if you would have made me bet, I would have bet no money that I was able to do this thing that I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? W- within joining the army, I was 260 pounds. I got down to 180 coming out of basic. Holy shit. When I got to AIT, when I before I before I went, my two mile run was like twenty two minutes. By the time I got to AIT, three months later, I was sub fourteen. Jeez. You know what I mean? I I didn't think that was even possible for me. Yeah. And I fucking now I'm a fat fuck again. <laughs> yeah, but you, that's part of the reason why I don't do comedy. By the way, and I know yeah. that your style of comedy is the yeah. self deprecating. Yeah. But the reason why I don't do comedy too, a big reason one, I don't think I'd be good at it. But even if I were able to be good at it. I feel like I wouldn't be the voice that I would want to be. Okay. I would want to be a more observational comic, yeah. which I don't think I possess. I would be a self-deprecating comic. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I wouldn't be adding anything to that sphere. I, I will say the self-deprecating comedy, that's the easy way out. Well, <laughs> it's definitely, and, 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 it's not, definitely, and that's why I do it. <laughs> well, but I'm not even talking about it in that yeah. sense. It's like, and the other thing is there are people who get, it, that is cathartic for them to do yeah. the self-deprecating thing. Yeah. For me, you know, it mine is an obsession with 
accomplishment. Mm-hmm. That's my catharticism, right? Like I am never satisfied. It does not matter what I am doing, mm-hmm. you know, no amount, no amount of money, no amount of any, I'm never satisfied. I can relate to that. That's horrible. To that 100%. It's fucking terrible. It's yeah. the worst thing on earth. And and Dave, I don't know if you've ever read Infinite Jest or heard of Def- David Foster Wallace, but uh, I I have I th- I think that's one that I have a bunch of stuff saved like on my Amazon. Like, David Audible. Foster Wallace, man. Yeah. Infinite Jest is. I I have that one it's hard to even call a book. I mean, it's right. like like do you call the Bible a book? You know, like, that's a fair point. You know what I mean? Like, is it a book? I mean, at the end of the day. It is, but it's like, but, it's but there's something else going on the, the, there. The term "book" is so simplistic. That's how I feel about Infinite yeah. Jest. It's like, can you even really even call this a book? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not even trying to be some like nerd. I mean, it's just like <laughs> you, you have to just—it's an experience, man, and you just have to do it. And it's, it's anyway. I have a whole—I wrote yeah. a—I wrote a paper about it, so it's the whole thing. But anyway, uh, David Foster Wallace. One of the things he talked about was. For him, his peak, and he committed suicide. Yeah, you know, quite a few years ago, I think 2002. He was very open Something about like his that, mental yeah. health. Yeah. Um, and one of the things he talked about was his whole goal in life was to win a Pulitzer mm-hmm. because he never thought he could get it. He didn't even think right. that was even a remote possibility. He gets a Pulitzer off his first fucking book. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a moment to interrupt the show and give a very special shout out to the people who support this show every month on Patreon. I want to shout out Whitney Latin, Jody McDermott, and my mother, Melissa Shea, who every single month help support this show. And if you want to be one of those awesome people, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash basement lounge pod and join the $1 tier. You'll get shouted out on the air, get your name listed in the description. You get early access to all these shows commercial free through our Patreon RSS feed and so many other cool rewards. Once again, go to patreon.com slash basement lounge pod, join the $1 tier and help support the show. Speaking of the show, let's get back to it. That's it. He writes one book and gets a Pulitzer. <laughs> so he's like, and he goes, nothing changed. Yeah. Everything I felt about myself didn't change. Mm-hmm. All of my worries, all my, it was, it's all there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not magnified, but it's still all there. The addictions, whatever it is, it, it's all there. And he came to this realization that, oh yeah, because it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Like we think we're all aiming towards something. Yeah. Wait till you get there. I have more money now than I ever dreamed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything, right? There, it's And it's not that it props up other shit. Because mm-hmm. I hear that a lot where people will say, well, you know, money may solve one problem, mm-hmm. but it'll create others. It's not that it creates others. It's that you realize there's nothing to solve. This is mm-hmm. like the, the deep thinking I've been having is that the reason why my old problems didn't get solved is because there was nothing to solve. Mm-hmm. I'm not broken. And neither are you and neither is anybody else. There's nothing to so you're not trying to solve anything. Mm-hmm. So for me, what's helped with anxiety and I think what's helped a lot of people with depression and my advice for people going through those things, lean into it, mm-hmm. fully embrace it, accept this thing, realize it's a thing about yourself, realize it's a thing about a lot. You know, it's a thing with a lot of other people realize what's happening, understand it, understand the brain chemistry, understand why you feel the way that you're feeling, lean into it and and push through, you know, and 
people don't want to hear that when they when it comes to mental health. They don't want to hear push through, mm-hmm. push through. It, yeah. it really is like this isn't oversimplifying things. You have to push through. It's the same thing when you have cancer. Yeah. When you have cancer, you know how easy it is to sit on the couch. It's really fucking easy. But what do people with cancer do? They push through. They get themselves out. They they yeah. mingle. They go see friends because they realize what they're dealing with. It's the same thing for mental health. Yeah. You have to push yourself. You have to get through it. And again, just lean into it. Lean into yeah. that darkness. Understand that this thing that you're experiencing is who you are. There's no changing it. It's not going to go away. There's no magical pill, right? Yeah. We've already tried that. Yeah. There's no magical pill. There's no. It can it can help. Like you know. My sure. So one one of my exes, you got to uh, level it off. Yeah, and that's that's what I've been doing with you know this year starting starting therapy for the first time, yeah. being on antidepressants for the first time. One of my ex girlfriends, she uh, she's diagnosed bipolar disorder, and her biggest problem, the reason that she always has such a hard time, um, dealing with it, one is because bipolar disorder fucking sucks, um, and also is because for her she was always looking for the magic switch she was looking for the magic pill or the magic switch that would make everything go away and make her for lack of a better word normal yeah and no matter what anyone told her in an office or at home was you're there's never going to be one thing that makes it all go away and you're not not normal yeah you are yeah normal. you're you're fine yeah the, the the trick is you're going the trick is finding whatever combination of therapy self-motivation exercise whatever it is to just make it manageable yeah like you're always going to have symptoms of bipolar disorder the trick is to make them more manageable and that was something that she and a lot of people out in the world don't want to hear they're looking for the fix because that's a well imagine that right like you are bipolar yeah and which is a chemical imbalance in the brain where one minute you're a certain way, and it's not literally one minute to one minute, yeah. but it's, it's you for go, a series of moments, you are a certain way, and then for seemingly no reason, mm-hmm. a switch gets flipped, and your life is miserable. Yeah. And there's always a baseline of when you're not feeling that way, when you're not in, in either mania or a step above mania, you're concerned about entering that. Like with me, with anxiety, when I'm not feeling anxiety, and I'm not talking about oh, I'm anxious on planes. I mean, I'm saying like deep-seated body shaking, throwing up, like that type of anxiety for no reason. When I'm not feeling that, I live in fear of feeling that and my so therefore i'm always feeling it my my younger sister who who's upstairs right now she she has that she has very bad clinical anxiety it's it's miserable man and she gets she gets so worked up about she's so afraid of having an anxiety attack that it cripples you that it causes an anxiety attack and i don't thankfully for me being out in public is mm-hmm. that's my that, that's cathartic for me like right. being around as many people as humanly possible mm-hmm. so you know it flips yeah i get overwhelmed see for me it's yeah. opposite i like, i had to so our, earlier this year um i i did the thing nobody ever thought i would do which was i completely took i took a step back away from social media for about two weeks yeah um which i'm a i'm a social media guy I like can't do it. <laughs> I, I i i do it mostly because part of it is because i don't get out much i work evenings yeah and I sleep during the day. I don't get to go out and be very social. So it was kind of like that big door into the world around me. But what's what happened was in the current in the current socio political climate, it just got to be too much. And what ended up happening was I was so 
concerned and enveloped and and surrounded by everyone else's bullshit that it got to be so much that I was sitting at work one night going off on a rant on on Twitter about something so stupid and so dumb that I had gotten myself convinced was worthy of my of my time and energy to the point where then finally I think it was Dusty Harvey tweeted me and was like dude you are being a fucking baby about this and I just like dropped my phone for a second because it gave me that 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 couple minutes to step back and go why do I care so much about this and I had a complete fucking breakdown because suddenly just I, I realized I was trying to shoulder everything in the world and so what I did was I, I cut myself off from the world for about two weeks now on social media if I'm not posting about this show or a comedy show, I'm not on there. Yeah, I had I it, it's, it's, I I had to step away from it because it was driving me insane. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, my wife is is uh, not bad about that. I don't mean that as in a negative connotation. Right, yeah. but you know what I mean. That's something my wife will do. Where she, it's like she takes on mm-hmm. things from other people. Yeah, a, a, a introverts do that really bad. Like mm-hmm. they, it's like your facial expressions like come into them mm-hmm. and they then carry that which is why they need that time to detox mm-hmm. and that does not happen to me i can right. scroll through facebook and people are just the most vicious dude i was in the i was in the fucking army mm-hmm. a lot of my friends are staunch republican and yeah. i am not yeah. you know now i'm not political really at all anymore especially because i'm in real estate so <laughs> i can't be right. political <laughs> i used to be rather political when i was I was much further to the left then than I am now. Right. I'm much more centered now because I'm just like, I think everyone's fucking nuts right now. So I, like, I think you eventually get to a point where you realize, wow, both sides. Suck. Everyone's fucking yeah, crazy. Everyone's I'm like, I don't even know down. what to even do right now. Gonna hang out here in the middle. But <laughs> but my wife will do that where she just, she takes in everybody's stuff. And she's a social worker. So oh, I'm like, oh, man. baby, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, you're going to go insane. Like, but, but she's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just stop doing it. Right. I'll just stop doing it. Cool. Thanks. I, I wish I'd have. Right. I wish you'd have told me that sooner. And I'm like, okay, I get it. it but it's, it's like, because I don't do it, so it's hard yeah. for me to even. I'm like, why? It'd be like, if why somebody, do you do that? It's it'd be, like it'd be like if somebody came to you and said, "Dude, Kyle, it's gonna be okay." Yeah. Oh, oh, gee, thanks. It's like I had a panic attack. I remember a, kind of a rough one I had. Uh, we were watching The Looking Glass. Okay. Uh, it was Nicolas Cage movie, not a very good one. No. Man, such a good premise though. But the movie's done terribly. The movie's great. Our guest was Joe Young. Uh-huh. And uh, I had to stop the movie, and uh, I was like, "Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm about to black out. I'm having a horrible panic attack." Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't do that because I'm dramatic. I'm like, I want them to know, hey, if this happens, I'm okay. Like, you mm-hmm. don't gotta, you don't have to call the ambulance. I was right. like, I'll be fine. It happened to me one time on a showing, which really sucked. I was on a showing, showing a house, and all of a sudden, dude, it just hit me. I was like, "Fuck me!" So I finally it had been going on for for probably 60 90 seconds or something mm-hmm. and i pulled them off to the side because we we're out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and they were looking at the pole bar or something and i pulled her aside and said hey I'm, I'm having a really bad panic attack it's okay i'm fine uh if i like black out or something i'm cool like mm-hmm. I, i'm sorry like i'll be okay and you know of course they're like well, don't say sorry like you're okay they're like do you need to leave i'm like no it'll 
it'll pass. Crazy, like, I'll be okay. Because I, I understand what's happening to my body. I know why this is happening. I know I'm not having a medical episode. I've been seen. I've gone to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I've gone to the hospital because I thought I was having a stroke. Like, I've been through all that. So now I just let it happen. I just lean into it. The shit, it starts going. My heart's pounding. My vision's tunnely. I realize what's happening. My hands are numb. I'm like, all right, it's happening. It's like being on a roller coaster. It, the ride will fucking end. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're scared, the ride will end. You're going to go down a bunch of hills, maybe a loop or two. You'll get to the end of it and you'll be fine. And that's, dude, I'm telling you, like, that's been life changing for me. Mm-hmm. Just leaning into it and just sometimes it's easier than others. You know, sometimes you still go, oh, shit, okay. You know what I mean? Where you think, like, okay, maybe this is the one. You know, maybe this is the one my heart's exploding. Mm-hmm. You know, and then sometimes you go, well, what if it is? The fuck am I going to do about it? You know, like, right. I'm not going to the hospital right now. So, you know, like, if it is the one, I'm going to die. And <laughs> guess what? I won't know I'm dead. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Jeez, man. But it's, dude, and it, and it sucks. And thankfully, I don't have the depression. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm not trying to, like, revel in it. But mm-hmm. I, depression, I would would. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I'd kill myself. I, I mean, just the, my personality, it wouldn't mesh. Like I need, in order to deal with my anxiety and to deal with the other things in my life, mm-hmm. I have to be social. Mm-hmm. I have to be cheery. I have to be positive. Like if that stuff were to get removed, man, like that's tough, man. Like people who have depression, like, I'm sorry guys. Like that's tough. And, and, that's why it's so serious. Like you have to take care of it. Yeah. But then people with depression will kind of say the same thing about anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. man, that would suck to be sitting in a room and for no reason yeah. your body's filled with electricity and your heart's pounding out of your chest. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, find- I, I, I finally decided that it was time to get treatment for depression when, uh, it was, it was a combination of two things. One, it was like, it was like a year after my dad died and I still just wasn't handling it well. Yeah. But then there was also, I remember there was a, there was a day I was at work. Um, at the time, on Saturdays, I was working these noon to 8 p.m. shifts. Like, I would come in, help first shift, and then stay till 8, get get second shift settled, and I'd go home. And uh, and, and second shift's where I've lived. Like, that's where my friends are at work. And uh, But I came in, and uh, for some, and I, I just felt this, it's, I, all I can, it's, it's like being wrapped up in the world's most comfortable blanket that you can't get off mm-hmm. is the way I can describe it. Is because suddenly I just was just zoned out from the entire world. I went and sat in the corner of the office that I work in, and I didn't talk to anybody. Pat Oswalt talks a little bit about that, like yeah. the comfortability of when your deep depression it's, it's, it, sets yeah. in, like because what because everybody came in was coming in for for, for at four o'clock to take on for second shift. I didn't say hi to anybody. I didn't acknowledge them coming into the room. And then I found myself becoming more upset because they weren't acknowledging me. Mm. I was giving off the vibe of I don't want to. Yeah, be get the dumb. fuck away from me. But then I was getting pissed that everyone was getting get was getting the fuck away from 100%. me. And that was when it finally kicked in. It was like okay, because I got home that night, and my friend Karina, who I was working, who was working with me at the time, she texted me. She was kind of like, "Were you okay today?" And I was like, "Honestly, no." And that's the first time that was the first time I'd ever been able to acknowledge, no, I wasn't okay. Yeah. And so that was kind of where, yeah. And that was, so that was kind of where it finally kicked in for me. It was like, okay, I got to figure something out because, because this shit can't continue. And you can't let it go on forever too. And 
you know, the big thing again, and the reason why I say to lean into it and to acknowledge it and to accept it as, you know, this on some level is a part of you, mm-hmm. you know, even if you, there's tons of things you can learn mental techniques and, and medicine and that kind of stuff to handle it, herbal stuff, exercising, you know, there's tons of things you can do to help alleviate the symptoms, mm-hmm. but ultimately there, again, there's nothing wrong with you. This yeah. is, it's who you are. Yeah. This is who you are. You are this person, this thing. So when you lean into it and accept it, you are accepting yourself. You're not accepting depression. Yeah. You're accepting you're, yourself. You're not you're, accepting defeat. Yes. You're yeah. accepting. In fact, you're doing the opposite. Yeah. You know, because one of the things that David Foster Wallace talked about, and this was a good little philosophical question, which was, were the people who jumped out of the building on 9-11, were they committing suicide? Mm-hmm. Were they? Or was that just the only fucking option? Yeah. Like, it was either being engulfed in flames, which who knows how long that death is going to take, or splatter to your death and enjoy the fall. Yeah. You know? They were they were taking control. They were they were dying so like, on their were, own So it's like, were terms. they really committing suicide? Not really. You know what I mean? It just depends how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's how he talks about and depression and leading to, you know, again, not a year after he says this, he kills himself, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But what he was talking about was essentially like people who commit suicide it's not that they're selfish it's not that they're whatever mm-hmm. it's that this has now become the only option for them mm-hmm. they're on the 110th floor of the trade center mm-hmm. and it just got hit by a plane there's nowhere else to go you know this is it and they get that in their mind and i just feel like what gets you there is not accepting this thing and not accepting yourself, mm-hmm. which you just have to do. You have to embrace it, embrace yeah. yourself and, and it, lean into it, understand what's happening. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And because if you resist it, if you, you know, if you resist it, you're, you're essentially trying to resist nature. Yeah, and when has you're, that ever worked? Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> like, you're, you're resisting the naturally occurring order of things. And that's, that's, that doesn't that doesn't happen. It, it's it, like when, when is resisting something that's inevitable mm-hmm. <laughs> ever? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, just 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 do something. Just take it in stride and do something. Now listen, about you it. can you can have depression, clinical depression, mm-hmm. and not feel the symptoms of depression for forty years. Yeah, if if you do the right things, if you live the right lifestyle, mm-hmm. if you associate with the right people if you have the right job if you do whatever like you can be someone who's clinically depressed same thing with with drug users mm-hmm. right danny trejo has been clean for 50 years yeah you know and he still considers himself a drug addict because mm-hmm. guess what he is yeah he's just been clean for 50 years he just hasn't actually used i'll drugs. be a drug addict for the rest of my life yeah right you don't just you don't just use opiates well you hear that you hear from alcoholics all the time they always say like yes they're still an alcoholic yeah they just don't drink scotty and i talked about this quite yeah. a bit you know it's like you the again what people don't understand when they're going through when they're going through uh rehab and stuff because i've interacted with, you mm-hmm. know in that environment and stuff and one of the things I tell people is like you you have to you have to get it out of your mind that you're cured because you're not and you never will be cured. This will never go away. Mm-hmm. I have three kids and a wife. Okay, it doesn't go. Trust me, <laughs> it doesn't go away. Like the thought process behind using drugs, especially things like opiates, mm-hmm. which are the only things 
to this day that's ever really helped with my anxiety so you know and i i understand you're just replacing one problem with another right. but even alcohol doesn't really help no. all the way it tends to kind of make it worse people who people who drink to alleviate depression are kidding themselves yeah i mean you're just you're <laughs> flooding what it is is you're flooding a, de- a depressive state with a depressant yeah <laughs> which the only thing that you're solving is that you are numbing a section of your brain that uh, has self-awareness. That's all that it is. Yeah. That's why drunk people do stupid shit. They have no self-awareness. Yeah. So your lack of self-awareness, which is, for most people, that is their depression, is they're painfully self-aware in those moments. Uh, too self-aware. They're too self. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just numbing that part of your brain. you mm-hmm. know. But then instantaneously it it goes from that to dropping off a cliff to Mm -hmm. then you know popping being able to pop back up Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, that's yeah that's not a good way to deal with it no it's not i i deal with my depression the right way i i blast heavy metal music and eat cheetos that's the the way to do it um man what a what a direction this conversation that's how it always goes man. man That's all it's supposed to go, right? I love this shit. This is it's the gotta co- be this a free flowing conversation. This is the shit that I like. This is why I do this show. And I'll tell you what, I, I love having the guests over the phone that I've had. Like having yeah. Bexy Cox call in was amazing. Having 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 everyone call in is great. But there's nothing that beats it's always my favorite episodes are always the ones where the people come in and sit in the chairs yeah. and just talk to me. You I've know? never had a call in guest on the movie show. Really? Yeah. And I've had man, I had a couple I had ones we could Gary Owen. I really? had gotten a hold of and he agreed to do it and and kind of last minute I was like, you know what? It's I, it's it, it it changes the dynamic. It does, it, man. It's, it's I just don't want to do it. I, I it's not whether it's a name or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, it's I the only thing I've done phone is I talked to the the writer of the trust. We watched The Trust. It was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Elijah Wood, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And I was so... It wasn't what I expected it was going to be, like, not even close. It wound up being a much better movie than I expected. This really dark script. It was... But it, half the movie was chewy. Then all of a sudden, it just takes a turn. And you're like, it's a it's a ride. Like, the whole... it's, it's You got to just watch it. But mm-hmm. halfway through the movie, it just takes a turn. Not like a twist in that sense, yeah. but like the mood goes from light and airy to dark as fuck. Yeah. And it's in one singular moment. And then that's how it finishes up. And that's, uh, that's why I don't like the movie Click. Uh, oh. With Adam Sandler. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't like now, this that is movie. very different. But I, yeah. But I, I don't like it because it goes from being, oh, to. And all of a sudden it's like, dark, dude. The movie come gets on. so dark so fast. Right. And then it's all good at the end. And I'm like, no, we, we have to acknowledge those 20 minutes. You got to acknowledge I, the darkness. We got to acknowledge that. We can't just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I, I talked to the writer of that movie. Okay. Over nice. Skype. But that was it. It's the only thing I've ever done. Yeah. I've had some great guests uh, over over Skype or, or the phone or other options I've used. Really and truly great, great guests. An interview format is a little easier to do that. Yeah. I mean, on the MMA show, that's all I do, and, except for one show. And, and usually that's what those end up being, is those wind up just being like sh- straight interviews. Every once in a while, I've had a call-in guest where it's gotten a really good vibe and a good conversation going. Yeah. Um. So the the phone ones tend to be shorter shows because it pretty much turns into a straight interview. Yeah. But man, if I had the budget, I would fly those people the fuck out here and have them yeah, hang out in my mom's basement for an hour. Yeah. This is this is great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um. So... 
we still got a couple minutes left here. Yeah. So we've had we've had a hell of a hell of a, a hell of a weird 2019 as far as movies go. Yes. It's been a it's it, I don't want to say it's been a great year for movies, but it's been a weird year for movies. Yeah. Um, how would have been some of your favorites so far oh, this year? Boy. My favorite one I haven't seen yet is Joker. You still haven't seen Joker? I still haven't seen Joker. Oh my god. I really, really want to. That is that is like that is a movie, and we we, we talked about that on this show. That is a movie that needs to be studied in film school. It really does. Yeah. You need to go see it. I want to see it. That's one of the ones that I'm like, I'm super sad I haven't seen. Uh, I thought Toy Story 4 was phenomenal. I, I really did. I loved it, man. My kids, we, we saw it in the movie theater with my kids, which was really cool. I just saw Toy Story 3 for the first time this year. Oh, really? Well, so Okay, so there's a, there's a string of movies. There's probably about a five-year gap in my movie viewing history where I was broke, didn't have a car, and where I was living, there wasn't a movie theater in town. So going to them, getting seeing movies was really hard. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a period of time probably from about 2012 to about maybe 2010 to about 2015, or I just didn't fucking see anything that wasn't like the Avengers. Yeah. Um, see, I, and I barely kept up with the Marvel universe. Yeah. It just got a little too daunting, so I just kind of just went, yeah, I'll watch them all later. I don't really care. I'll it, just watch them all later and yeah. call today. Well, so I, I liked that in the last couple of years. There's been this. There's been this development of of, of movie clubs and movie passes and things like that. Because mm-hmm. I've been able to go see a lot more shit that I normally wouldn't have gone to see. Yeah. One of my favorite movies. Not it didn't come out this year. It was either last year or the year before. It was Hotel Artemis. I haven't seen it. It was with uh, Dave Bautista and Sophia Batella, Jodie Foster. Batista, things. Yeah, right. Jodie Foster, Sterling K. Brown, Jeff Goldblum, Charlie Day. Oh shit! It's this like little hour and a half, maybe just under two hours. Like, like it's not. It's it's an action flick, but it's 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 the cool concept. And honestly, it's some of the best acting I've seen out of Batista. Yeah, it was really good. I, he's not really known for like. Hard hitting acting. Well, no, because he's been doing just you know fucking, action films. Yeah, and shit, yeah. but I, I well even even I will say like his his ten minutes that he's in Blade Runner twenty forty nine are fantastic. Yeah, but that's actual acting. Um, but yeah, this year you, you said Toy Story four. Toy Story uh, four I thought was phenomenal, and it was also just a cool experience to like yeah. sit there with my you know four year old daughter and two year old son, mm-hmm. and their eyes glued to the movie screen. Mm-hmm. You know, watching Toy Story four. And I'm the one that introduced them, of course, to Toy Story One, Two, right. Three. My, they still watch all the time on their tablets. So, I mean, they love it, and it's just cool. Like that's, you know, I got my daughter to watch Oliver and Company, which is my favorite. Oh, Disney it's film. a good it's movie. My favorite Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, the and the car, we almost exclusively watch National Treasure, and they love it, and they love it, and I just I love that being able to experience that with them is awesome. Right now, before like obviously I did the Nicolas Cage movie podcast, but before then I really was a big fan of like National Treasure. I thought that's that's one of my favorite. Just you can sit down, shut your mind off, and just watch a, an enjoyable movie. You know that first National Treasure, dude. They both are I, really good, man. The second one's okay. I like the, first, the first one. The first one is Listen, really good. On the podcast, I said, and I will stand by that National Treasure was one Tom Hanks away from an Emmy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, from like a Golden Globe, or Golden Globe, yeah, you know, or oh, Academy Award, hundred percent. It, it was it was one Tom Hanks away from an Academy Award. <laughs> If you they, throw Tom Hanks in there and yeah. remove some of the humor and make it a little bit more dramatic, yeah, that that shit wins an Emmy. You know like, what? You know, or you fuck, know, I keep saying Emmy. Academy Award. You know what it needed that it didn't have that it should have had was a Sean Bean death. Yeah. If they had thrown a Sean Bean death in there, well, but the way it ends though <laughs> is kind the of way perfect. It ends is fantastic. I right? 
fucking love the first uh, National Treasure. I thought yesterday was really, really good. Yesterday. That was the Beatles movie. See, I'm not a Beatles fan. See, listen, neither so, am I. But I'm not I, a Beatles fan I heard either. the movie's really that good. Was a, that was a um, good movie, man. Like, the way... There's, there's a couple different ways you can do... When I heard about the... Because, like I said, I write. Mm-hmm. So, when I heard the plot line, I was like, all right, there's about four ways to play this. Right. You know? And... There's three ways where it's going to suck. Yeah. So they got to nail yeah. this. Like, yeah. they got to do this the right way. And I thought they did it the right way. Okay. You know, it, the guy who the guy who lives in the universe where the Beatles disappear, mm-hmm. you know, he gets the head injury, of course. And yeah. he, he wasn't, he didn't know the Beatles songs. Mm-hmm. He had to kind of try to remember them all. And, like, they're not all exact, you know, because yeah. he's not hitting the right course. Some of the words change. Um you know, and I liked that concept. It wasn't a guy in a Beatles cover band right. wakes up in a world where the Beatles don't exist. Yeah. You know, it was different than that, which yeah. I, I liked that concept. And just the, the the love story that's in it, I thought was really yeah. good. He sings all the songs for real. and That's really cool. Which was awesome. It's It was very reminiscent of, like, Walk the Line, you know. Have you, have you had a chance to see the Peanut Butter Falcon yet? No. I that's the either. one with uh, what's his nuts? It's got Shia. St- yeah, it's got Shia LaBeouf in it. it. Holes. That thing. That thing came and went at the neon so fast. I didn't get a chance to go see it. I haven't watched it yet, but I totally would want to. I've heard it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I don't doubt it. See, I like those kind of films. Those are my my favorite film of all time, mm-hmm. and it's a it's cheating because it's a book. It's my favorite book of all time, and I thought the movie did it justice, so mm-hmm. I just loved it. Uh, it's a book or movie called Mother Night. Okay. So if you ever get a chance to watch Mother Night, it's gonna be hard to dig up. Okay. But watch Mother Night. It's I love it. And if you ever have a, a if you want to read the book, mm-hmm. I would suggest doing it first. Okay. Because the and I won't say the main character just in case you read the book. Okay. But if you read the book after you watch the movie, you will never get the main character from the movie's voice out of your head. So you need to read the book first. Then look up Mother Night okay. because once you see who the actor is, you're fucked. His okay. voice will never leave your mind, and you'll read the book with his voice, <laughs> which I don't think is good because it taints the book. So um, you got to read the book before finding out who it is. I was I was so determined this year because as much as I loved Avengers Endgame, what all came out this year? Uh, I, I everything blurs together. It's, that's the thing. It's been such a blur of a year. Like I was so I was so determined to not let my favorite movie of the year be a comic book movie. Only because, right. only because the last couple of years, it just kind of fucking happened that it was. Um, and there were some good ones this year, but I was like, but there's so much other good shit coming out this year. But unfortunately, right now, Joker still sits at the top of my list. Um, I want to watch it it's, really bad. It's really good. Um, there's a movie coming out called The Lighthouse that I really want to see with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe that's not any, showing anywhere near here, so I can't see it. Is that the one it. that's in black and white? Yeah. I want to see it so bad. You it's know what not... fucking sucks about Robert Pattinson hmm. is that people don't realize how good of an actor he is. He is an amazing actor. And, and how good of a Batman he's going to be. He, I am so... And like in just in the last two weeks, we've got gotten so much news about this new batman who and movie. who else was it that everyone was pissing about um and it was a really good choice ben affleck everybody took a shit on ben affleck when he got announced i thought it, been it was the, yeah and it, somebody else well, it was michael some... keaton everybody was convinced michael keaton was going to eat a dick because the only thing he'd done at that point was Mr. no i'm saying Mom. in the new batman who oh, in the was new it one. that they announced recently zoe kravitz's Catwoman. okay and Paul Dano is going to be the Riddler. Paul Dano. That was the other one that people were like, was going dude, to be he's amazing. fucking phenomenal, guys. Like, trust me. Just give him a chance. Paul Dano is going to be amazing. And I thought Jonah that, Hill would have been a good penguin. I thought so, too. But I also think that the fact they got Michael Giacchino to do the score for this movie 
And Michael Giacchino is one of the best working composers in Hollywood today. And if you don't believe me out there, go listen to his score for both Incredibles movies. Listen to his score for Doctor Strange. Listen to his score for not the one he did for Rogue One. That that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> and, and, oh, the one bad one doesn't count. No, the reason his score for Rogue One doesn't count is because he had three weeks to make it. The original composer for Rogue One dropped out three weeks before the movie came out, and they had to get somebody else to come in and make something on the fly. Yeah. So Giacchino was like, I got time. <laughs> um, I just looked up uh, movies that came out in 2019. Yeah, okay. Uh, Greta. I thought Greta was really good. Greta. Uh, it wasn't like life-changing. Yeah. But that was an enjoyable way okay. to spend a couple hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought that was a good movie. Uh, the movie that came out on Netflix, American Factory. I have it saved. I haven't that watched it yet. one was fantastic. Okay. Uh, you definitely need to watch that one. I'm trying to. There's, trying to, there's something I oh, saw. It chapter two. I thought was a was a good I follow refuse. up. I I have a pathological fear of clowns, so I haven't seen the first one, and I will not see the, the oh, second one. I can't do good. it. I can't do it. I, I the first one doesn't play up on the clown as much. You could probably watch it and be fine. The, the first, the, the second <laughs> one really plays up the clown. I though. remember when they when Entertainment Weekly released the first images of Skarsgård as 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 Pennywise, and I was just like, well. That's a movie I won't be seeing. <laughs> it was so funny listening to the actors talk about him. Yeah. And basically saying like they would act like people would be like, did he like stay in character? And like, no, he's not like he's not that kind <laughs> he's of not, actor. He's not Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, he's not that yeah, exactly. He's not that kind of actor. Yeah. And then like, but when the scenes would start, he would it was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like he was scary. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like and I could just imagine being there. Like I've seen I'll, t- I'll tell you something that that, that that threw me for a loop this year was the fact that if you had told me at the beginning of 2019 that I would love Aladdin and hate The Lion King. Oh, The Lion King was terrible, man. I would have told uh, you you I were fucking I watched Aladdin in theaters with my wife. Aladdin I that was, was pretty fun. Good. It was. Because the, 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 the problem is the trailers for Aladdin were god-awful. The, the marketing for Aladdin was abysmal. And the marketing for The Lion King was fantastic, fantastic. and it was terrible. I, I wanted to leave the theater during The Lion King. I, I have so many big problems with The Lion King, namely the fact that Be Prepared is 30 seconds long. Are, yeah. are you going uh, to watch uh, Lady and the Tramp when it comes on God Disney no. Plus? God, no. I'm interested to see how it's going to I don't be. care. I don't care. We'll see. Um, I can't wait for Disney Plus to come out because oh, yeah. The Mandalorian looks incredible i mean not only that but just the catalog of, oh. of having all that it's gonna oh. be phenomenal oh i can't wait yeah. but i'll be skipping i'll be skipping lady in the tramp um <laughs> you know dumbo bummed me out this year i was really hoping dumbo was going to be good i never watched it it was it was just it, i didn't hear anything about it so it must not be yeah. really good i thought the trailers look really good and then i found out that tim burton did to it what he did to alice in wonderland it's called dumbo but it's actually a sequel to dumbo i don't get whatever it's, it wasn't good um <laughs> I saw a lot more movies this year that pissed me off more than I did see ones that I liked, um, but it's it's been a weird year for movies. Um, I did I did like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I haven't it seen a that lot. one yet because we were talking about doing we were talking about doing actor actress mm-hmm. writer director. Oh okay. So and if we were gonna do director, we were gonna do Tarantino. Tarantino. And it's then an easy catalog to get through. It is something we can. And then we're gonna do Shane Black mm-hmm. for the writer. Shane Black is uh, he did uh, the Nice Guys, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, uh, fucking Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah, yeah. And then he did the Predator last year, which hey, is one of the worst but, movies but, I've you know, seen. You can't all they can't all be winners. No, but if but if there was one that should have been a winner, the guy who he was in the first Predator. <clears throat> 
uh, has a writing credit on the first Predator, and after doing The Nice Guys yeah, and Kiss awesome. Kiss Bang Bang, he should have been able to knock the Predator out of the park. But I should have known going into it there was going to be a problem when all the marketing said, from the director of Iron Man 3. And I'm like, but Iron Man 3 wasn't good. <laughs> Why is that the Was one that John Favre? No, no, no. Shane, Shane Black did Iron Man 3. He directed it? John Favreau did 1 and 2. 2 sucks. Uh, but Shane Black directed Iron Man 3. What? And Iron Man 3 is not a good movie. I and really don't like that he directed that. I don't either. Because he, he made some choices. I'll just pretend like that never... Yeah. This is what's great. Yeah. You can take people's catalogs yeah. and then just pretend like stuff isn't there. Oh, Absolutely. I'm like, just going to pretend like it didn't happen. There's stuff by Ridley Scott. He's only written three movies. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? There's like, plenty of stuff. Ridley Scott is my favorite director. There's plenty of stuff by him that I pretend did not happen. Mm. Like every episode of The Good Wife. <laughs> Do not like that show. Right. Just like I've tried so hard just, to get into that show because I love Ridley Scott. Even the last Alien movie, Alien Covenant. Ugh. Yeah. 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 And no, Prometheus was good. Yeah. Um, Who's your favorite director? We'll wrap this up here in a little bit. But no, I you're fine. Want to, I want to, I want to, I want, I want to, I want to, listen, this is, I live for this shit. So you yeah. go as long as you want. That's great. I got to get up early and drive to Columbus in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, for, for uh, directors and, and working right now, like, like modern directors, like I'm not talking like, cause yes, yeah, Spielberg's still working today. But if you had to pick like a modern working director, who's one of your favorites right now? I mean, I still think Tarantino's at the top of his game really? in, in that he's still writing movies that appeal to this niche audience and that niche audience follows from from movie to movie to movie you know mm-hmm. and that's tough to do when you when you're that niche mm-hmm. over time that audience gets older so you lose them mm-hmm. you know and then you can't really get them back and those types of people tend to fizzle yeah and he hasn't he hasn't fizzled i I'm not the biggest Tarantino fan, just in general. You gotta be a big Tarantino fan to really, yeah, want that. And and for me, what I've what I found is with his movies, I either love them or I hate them, and I hate more than I love. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, love Django Unchained. I love Inglorious Bastards, even though I probably shouldn't. Um, but I found what I what the best. I still haven't seen The Hateful Eight. Um, but so someone someone told me something about Tarant their their take on Tarantino. And I never thought about this. And then when he when he described it to me, it made a lot of sense. Tarantino makes movies for film nerds. Like yeah. he's a film nerd. That's what I'm saying. It's real niche. They're real niche, real tropey. But he's kind. Of, it, all of his movies at the end of the day are almost like a love letter to filmmaking. Sure. Um, and I don't know if maybe I, I don't know if it's just like 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 I I don't like Pulp Fiction. Um, I hate the Kill Bill <laughs> movies. I love Pulp I Fiction. I've never the seen the Kill Bill movies. Hate the Kill Bill movies. Um, I've never. There's two movies of his I've never seen. I've never seen uh, Hateful Eight. And I've never seen Jackie Brown. Um, but yeah, I've seen uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah, I just I it's something I don't know what it. I think maybe it's more Tarantino as a person that I have a problem with, <laughs> sure. and that and that taints my movie going experience. Um, well, and he's. I mean, what I like about them though is that he's unabashedly yeah. supportive of. The arts and what the arts are. Yeah. One of the things I can't stand is is, um, guys. I'm going to be real political here. PC culture, oh, and I'm shit. stepping out on a ledge saying I don't like it. Oh shit. Uh, but yeah, I I really I mean, I, I I truly believe, and I know again I'm not a comic, and I understand that. Um, but I still have an opinion on it. Uh, I'm in. I feel like I'm in the world enough to where I can have an opinion on it. Uh, you can have an opinion about anything. You used to be. What I always tell everybody is this: you can have an opinion about whatever the hell you want, 
You just have to be prepared for the fact that people might not like your opinion. Which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there are literally no lines. Okay. You know, and in, in comedy, I, I don't, I genuinely don't believe there are lines. And I typically get behind that. And and really, the the only rule of comedy is that you have to be at least attempting to be funny. We we talked about that last week with Mike Wells. Yeah, is, you did. Is, you guys went into it, and, and I and I always say, I don't. You can say whatever you want on that stage or in that film or on that show. As long as it's good. And I don't even think that it even has to be good or even has to be funny. I think it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. I think you need to at least be try. You have to be at least trying to be funny. Well, that's what I... If uh, it's not yeah. funny, then it's not funny, but yeah. like, you have I'm, to at least be attempting to be funny. I'm not a fan of being shocking for the sake of being shocking. Which, you know and listen, I mean? not everybody's good at it. Some people yeah. shouldn't be doing these things. Oh, But yeah. ultimately, there's nothing wrong with them doing it. Yeah. You know? And... Yeah, I just there are to me there are no there's no nothing's I, off limits there are no rules there is no but but being able to do something is not the same thing as uh, being immune from consequences. Yeah, I mean there are still if Anthony Jeselnik goes up on stage and uh, does a joke about making light of the Holocaust, yeah, just because that audience laughs that doesn't mean he's not going to lose his show. Yeah, you know. Or whoever whoever that guy was recently got fired from, from SNL, SNL, right? Yeah, you're not do you could do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, again, so, somebody who heard the things that he was doing laughed. Mm-hmm. Probably more than one someone, right? Yeah, probably a lot of people listened to that and laughed. Yeah, that's comedy, right? If you're being funny, that's comedy. Yeah. So, and and we you can write as many fucking op-ed pieces all you want about the point of comedy. You know, it's to it's to bring people up, not tear them down. This it's you're supposed to be objective, and you're supposed to, you're not supposed to rely on the shock. That whatever you write all the op ed pieces you want. Mm-hmm. The point of comedy is to be funny. Yeah, and even if to be funny is a select audience, mm-hmm. you're still their favorite. Yeah, because you're speaking directly to them. I I I think that Big Mouth is one of the funniest shows on Netflix right now. It is not for everybody. Sure. And I, my mom has said, "You, you let- Diane Rayfield's on that show." Oh yes, she is. Uh, Jason uh, Manzukis is on Jason, that show. I love Jason Manzukis yeah. and everything he does. John Mulaney, uh, yep. Nick Kroll is kind of the and, and Andrew Goldberg are the showrunners on that thing. Um, Maya Rudolph yep. is part of that show. What is Daniel Tosh's one? It was a Bojack? Brickleberry or Brickleberry? Brickleberry had three seasons on Comedy Central, and it was to die for. Mm. That show, it's on Hulu now. That show is I wish fantastic. I found Daniel Tosh as funny now as I did back in the day. I do, too. I, used to, I don't used find to... it as funny. But he no. did release an album, I think it was two albums ago, mm-hmm. which you know wasn't all that long ago, and yeah. it was really, really good. Yeah. I was like, all right. Dane Cook did that. for Dane Cook, after he hit his huge, big, like, Madison Square Garden success. That vicious Circle. Yeah. yeah. He did He did another, he did one a few years later called Isolated Incident. It was him at the comedy store. Mm. It was just him doing old school, classic style, regular stand-up. He wasn't screaming the whole time? Wasn't yelling, <laughs> wasn't jumping on shit. And you know what? It was some of the funniest, most real, relatable stuff I'd ever seen in my life. And I was like, that's all anybody ever wanted, man. See, I'm a big, I'm probably more, as far as off the top of my head, mm-hmm. I'm probably better with comics than I am movies. Books and comics, mm-hmm. I'm probably much better at, even though I host a fucking movie podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm much better at, like, like, like I just went to see Nate Bargatze in, mm-hmm. in, uh, at Taft. 
nice. which was incredible. His dad, who's a magician, if you ever listened to any of Nate Bargatze's mm-hmm. stuff, if you haven't listened to it, Mike, I don't know if you've listened to Nate. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, his albums are incredible. Oh yeah, he's fucking he's amazing. Great. He that's got to be like one of the best working like comics in oh, the business right oh, now. Oh, easily. He's fucking incredible. Um, but anyway, so his dad is a magician. He makes fun of that a lot. His yeah. dad opened up for him and did a comedy magic set. Shut the front and door. And it was, he stole the show. <laughs> Bro, he is fucking hilarious. Like, straight up stole the show. Like, I wish there was a, a recording of it somewhere. <laughs> Dude, it was amazing. Fantastic. It was so funny. Oh, all of a sudden he's at the very end of it mm-hmm. and he all of a sudden the my heart will go on starts playing uh-huh. and he starts miming it out and going he he crawls into the audience his dad's like in his 70s Cross, <laughs> crowd surfs into the audience pulls a woman out and starts dancing with her on stage and then oh in the process God. takes her wedding ring and puts it to a gumball machine <laughs> without her knowing it dude it's it's hilarious it's, it, it was such a good it was such an amazing set uh, yeah, Nebrogatsi is like one of my favorite comics right now. I'm, and the thing is, I don't even understand why he's so funny. Yeah, he's not raunchy at all. He doesn't cuss literally. Yeah. He's completely clean. Uh, there's no shock value, which is, tends to be the comics I'm attracted to. Mm. You know, I love like one of my favorite comics of all time is Patton Oswalt. Yeah. I love Patton Oswalt. Um, you know, Anthony Jeselnik is probably like. I'm he's mixed, up there. I'm mixed on Anthony Jeselnik. I've never heard a joke of his I didn't laugh. Yeah. My, I, I think, I think with him, it was because uh, they. I first got into him when they were bringing him into the roasts on Comedy Central, and I feel like he was trying a little too hard to be Greg Giraldo, and okay. considering Giraldo had just passed, it was kind of like, eh. when well, he's even shorter form than Giraldo even yeah. was, um, yeah. and more offensive. But yeah, but it, I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah, it, 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 for me it was one of those it was like I, I I really needed him to carve out his own niche a little bit first. Okay, um, which I think he. I mean, I think he at this point he has. I he mean, has now. Yeah, like na- now, it, like if he, I think it was because they started him on the roasts. Like okay. you know what I mean? Like if I if I had got introduced to him, and I see the comparison there too. Yeah, if I if I had got introduced to him because literally the first roast he was on was the first one they did without Geraldo. And which he, do you remember who it was? It was Trump. Oh my gosh! Where he says, uh, yeah. "Not um, only did the world lose Greg Giraldo, but even worse, it it kept, it kept Jeff, Jeff Ross. Ross." There was that one, and because I, I remember that one even had Jeff Ross going, "Oh Jesus!" Because because him and Geraldo were oh yeah buddies, extremely yeah. Um, well, and he uh, he says to Donald Trump, he says, "You're exactly like Michael Douglas in was it All the President's Men or something." Except no one's going to care when you die of cancer. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a really good one. Um, um, like, dude, that. Do you hear the Jimmy Carr one and the roast of Rob Lowe? Was I it Rob Lowe? I haven't seen Rob Lowe's roast yet. Okay, I don't know if it was Rob Lowe. I don't remember who it was. Alec Baldwin just had one, didn't he? He did. And Anthony Johnson next fucking no. Jeffrey Ross is yeah. hilarious on that one. Jeff Ross is always the only time. The only time Jeff Ross wasn't that funny was the first one he was on, which was the Pam Anderson roast. Which you know it's gonna build yeah. up to a little bit. Well, he, I think part of it was is he is he pissed off Pam Anderson and Courtney Love like right off the bat, <laughs> right. and I think everybody was kind of pulling away from him because he comes out wearing a fur coat. Yeah, um, which Pam Anderson's a huge like 
PETA supporter, and he's making jokes. Which is about fucking me, funny. Which yeah. is hilarious. And then he looks at Kurt, Courtney Love, and he says, "Like, man, I can't believe it's. Po- I, I never thought it was possible to look worse than Kurt Cobain." <laughs> and everybody that's was just, everybody was just kind of like, "That's fucking funny." It's funny as shit, but everybody was just kind of like, "Oh my gosh, dude!" So Jimmy Jimmy Carr, yeah. and I cannot. I wish I could remember the host. I I, I wish I could yeah. remember the who it was, but Jimmy Carr in the roast of whoever it was. Right. He says to Pete Davidson. Whose oh, dad Jesus. died on 9-11. Yeah. He says to Pete Davidson, he goes, uh, he goes, I think it's appalling that everybody keeps bringing up Pete Davidson's father who, who heroically sacrificed his life on 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not the roast of Pete Davidson's father. <laughs> that was in 2001, <laughs> which is flawless, right? Flawless, and then you know the collective groan from the audience, oh, and then man. and then you hear Pete Davidson go, "Dude, that was dope!" Like in the, <laughs> like in the background. I mean, that was like one of the best ones. I I love Jimmy Carr. And Pete Davidson in that same one, I think. Pete Davidson, I, it must have. I don't. It must have been Rob Lowe because Ann Coulter was there. Where he it's goes, guy, yeah, he I goes. If Ann Rob Coulter's Lowe's. here, then who's scaring the crows who's away from our crops? <laughs> <laughs> like what a fucking good one. I love I love Jimmy Carr. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna before I leave, we're gonna watch one of those. If you ever get a chance to uh, watch, he does. He, he has the, there was there's the show on on BBC called Countdown, and it's a letters and numbers game show that's on like daytime, like around tea time or whatever. And who but, hosts this? Uh, it's some, oh my god! Some British I guy. thought you were telling me Jimmy Carr well, did. Well, I was like, but what? <laughs> what Jimmy Carr and his comedy group, Eight Out of Ten Cats hosts the late night version where okay. it's all comedians playing this game. Got it. And he's the host of it, and it is hysterical. I don't doubt it. He's fucking funny. Because the way the game works is like they get like nine letters, and the teams have to try to put together the, as big a word as possible using the letters. And while they're trying to do that, he'll him and the smoking hot blonde who's like the, the, the Vanna White or whatever. Yeah. They just do shit to try to distract the, the, them while they're playing. Yeah. Like at one point, he just fucking takes his pants off and is just standing there, balls out in front Love of him. Can, um, I, can I say my favorite? Can I say my favorite horrible Jesselnik joke? Sure. And then I'll say my favorite uh, non horrible okay. joke, too. My favorite horrible Jesselnik joke is he says, uh, he said, uh, my, I think it was his grandmother. He always says, grandmother's always like super. Right. He said, I think it was his grandma. And he says, my grandmother was a Holocaust denier. And, uh, you know, and we were really embarrassed about it. So we made her watch Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. And when she fit, finished Schindler's List, you know, thankfully she she believed in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. She just couldn't believe it didn't happen twice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My favorite raunchy oh. Jessica joke. But then I also like, he has a, it's just a quick one-liner in uh-huh. one of his in his early special, and he goes, he goes. I think my friend Jeff is gay. I don't know though. I'm really bad with names. <laughs> and I just like, I just think that's so funny. Like that's the perfect joke. That's clever. I love that. I joke. like that. It's, that's funny because it's like that is not where you think that's gonna. No, I'm like, that so is that's comedy to me. But you know what? And and you know what? That's that's kind of the same thing that that Geraldo would always do was those kind of. Yeah, stuff. I remember. I think Lewis Black had said he's kind of like he's he was. He said he was like a comedy miner. He'd find an idea and he'd just start hitting it. Yeah, and he hit it again and it again and it again until he had gotten everything he Listen, possibly could. Jesselnick has had in each of his specials a joke about baby dropping, <laughs> which he didn't intentionally do. He said he didn't. I listened to a podcast uh-huh. called The Good One, okay. which is really good. It they he sits down with a comic and they go through one joke and mm-hmm. that's it. So they talk about a joke, and then they go through the whole premise, how it came to be, 
the writing process, the evolution. It's a really cool podcast. Nate was on the first episode with the joke about the dead horse and the new Netflix special, (laughs) which is a good fucking joke. Yeah, it is. Uh, Jason Nick, they did the baby one for the, from the new special. Um, and, uh, so he's done a baby dropping joke on all three specials. And then this latest special, mm. he did a baby drop joke that was five minutes. Oh, my God. It's a five-minute joke about dropping babies. And it is, you're just like, and that's why I think I love Jessel like so much. Because I'm like, who the fuck else could do this? Who else could do a five-minute baby dropping joke? That's insane. And it's it's hilarious. It's not not <laughs> funny. It doesn't feel stale or weird. or It's hilarious. It's incredible. Shit. Man, you're making me want to go back and revisit Anthony Jeselnik. Ah, oh, his new special is pretty good, man. All right. I I I don't watch comedy specials as much anymore. I just because it kind of stifles for me at least. It stifles the the writing process a bit. Which I get. I'm yeah. not a comic, so I can watch whatever I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it see, doesn't. And see, it's weird because like when I'm writing when I'm writing films, I'm watching movies constantly. Oh, I see. And when I'm but when I'm writing jokes, I cannot have. Like, I can't listen to, I can't watch anybody. I can't be on fucking Twitter. Like, it's it's bizarre. I wrote a short story called On Aging mm-hmm. years ago. I wrote a short story called On Aging. And recently, uh, I was in a band, and we took a bunch of my short stories, and mm-hmm. we turned them into songs. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really cool little project we did. And, and I, the music sounds, like, sounds awesome. And the music's never been released, but I still have it. But it's it's a cool, it was a cool project to yeah. do. And my the singer who I've been in a band with him since we were in high school, um, he did. I thought he just did a phenomenal job taking the spirit of what I was writing about and, and turning. I, it was just it was a weird experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the basic story premise is a guy gets diagnosed with a rare blood disorder and decides to uh, he gets approached by someone from a cryogenics lab mm-hmm. and says, hey, you know, we have to freeze you while you're alive if you want to be reborn again. If you die first, mm-hmm. you can't get brought back. You know, they didn't understand this early cryogenics. They thought you could die, freeze your body and come back. But you have to be alive. You can't ever die. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want to tell his wife this, what he's going to do. So he does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Wakes up but only like 30 years later. So he, like his son is the same age as him, mm-hmm. essentially. You know what I mean? He just goes back and like, the world hasn't changed. Okay. You know, when he comes back. So it's it's an interesting take on what would happen if you were, if cryogenics was real. And instead okay. of waking up 400 years later, where it's just a whole new world that you're getting used to, you're still in the same fucking world. Your friends are still alive. They're just 30 years older than you. Okay. So it's just a weird concept, right? That's all that it is. There's okay. more to it than that, but that's essentially what the story is. I like that. So Kevin, who's my singer, goes, so did you base this off of that Mel Gibson movie? I was like, that Mel Gibson movie? I couldn't even tell you what it's called. And I was like, no. Like I told him, I was like, I got the idea. I watched a documentary one time about the aging process, and I thought it was fascinating, and that's what I did. And he's like, no. And they said the movie title. I look up the movie title. Dude, it's fucking pretty close. Guy gets unfrozen. It's like within 30, 40 years. I was like, fuck you, Mel Gibson. And that was like 20 years before I came up with this idea. You know what I mean? Right. Now, it's it's different enough to where it's not a big deal. But like, that shit's... I mean, I guess it's how comics feel, right? Like, you have a joke premise and you're like, oh, I love this. And then you're like, oh, dude, it's a... 
some of it's word for word almost I, what this I, other guy I straight did. Up, I wrote a joke in in college I forget what it was even about and uh, I I turned on the TV one day and I was watching there's the show called Shorty's watching Shorties oh yeah I mean, uh, it was little one bits and they were they would animate them and I'm watching it and uh, they and I forget the name of the comedian uh, Irish motherfucker um, bald Irish guy who's in like fucking everything I don't know. anyway um he does, he does, they show one of his clips, and it is, like, almost exactly, like, every and cra- setup. A, you're just like, fuck. And I, I'm sitting here with a notebook in my hand, and I'm just like, fuck it. Ross it off. Done. <laughs> Done. And since it was, and since it was, this guy had been around so long, it was like, he probably did that joke, like, fucking 10 years ago, even. Right. Um, just, oh. I know this movie existed, like, yeah. 20 years before I wrote my short story. I've never heard of the movie. I've never watched Jeez. it. No one's ever told me about it. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, I... Yeah, I watched a documentary about aging, and they had this whole big section about like cryogenics, and I was like, "That's fat. Like, what if these people? What are they going to do when they wake up?" Which I thought was a cool concept, and I was like, "What if these people wake up, but it's like in their lifetime still, mm-hmm. and like they look the same, but they're five years, but their son is technically five years older. Mm-hmm. You know, like what a weird world to live in. You know, as opposed to." you're 300 years in the future and everybody you know is dead right. and you're just getting accustomed to flying cars, you know, which isn't as, you know, deep as I would say the other concept is. Right. Well, shit, man, this has been fun. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. We, uh, you cannot, it cannot be two years before I see you again. Yeah. Yeah. Holy let's, uh, let's not do that again. Um, let's, well, let's, I'll see you next Wednesday. Hopefully, we're hope. Yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. You know how it is. Something always seems to fucking come up. But, uh, but the movie we're planning on talking about on the movie review hour, it's a good one. I fucking love. Okay, and I good. Cannot wait to fucking talk. Yes, I. This is a movie that is like like I watch this movie quite often. I am. A I big wonder fan. if because sometimes uh, what I don't like are the tweener movies. Yeah, I don't like it where. Uh, I love it when a movie's really bad or really good. And not just meh. Because it gives you a lot to talk about. When the yeah. movies are meh, because that's what's hard. I don't do a podcast where we get to pick and choose movies. Yeah. I'm going through an entire catalog. With Sandra Bullock, I'm going through an entire catalog in order yeah. of her discography. Yeah. So, or videography. So, we can't pick and choose at yeah. all. We can't even bounce around. Because sometimes you get a Sometimes you movies that are just yeah. like... Sometimes you get miscongeniality too. Sometimes you get the blind side. And other times you get the net. We were like, which what is, are we going to talk about? Okay, At least the net has something to talk about. There's been a couple like yeah. two if by C. Yeah. Wrestling Ernest Hemingway. Like, yeah. the fuck are we going to talk lo- about for an I, hour? I do love Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sister. Oh, that was a much better movie than I anticipated. I and really like that movie. I discovered the song Selah by Lauren Hill, <laughs> yeah, that's a good song. which is awesome. <laughs> that's a good song. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. From that movie. Um, but yeah, man. So guys, uh, so yeah. So the movie review hour. Yep. Every week. Every week, every Friday, they, they drop. If you like MMA, it's, I, I, I own the Loudmouth MMA Podcast Network, so check that out. I have a show every Sunday that gets posted on there called the Not Safe for Work MMA Show. Okay, It's the only show. It's a buddy and I, and, and we just talk however we want to talk, and everybody's cunts and bitches, and we just... That's just how we that's how we talk normally. So mm-hmm. we wanted a show that was dedicated to that kind of thing. The rest of the shows are, are clean. Uh, we have a game show on that network that's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of dressed up like around the horn on ESPN. So, yeah, I mean, check it out. Yeah, and if you're looking to buy a house somewhere in the Dayton area, me up. 
Hit up Kyle Steele, sold with steel yes. on Instagram. I will help you out. I'm I'm sponsoring Super Dope. That's great. Yeah, so I'll be uh, I'll be at uh, well, and you've, Wiley's you, for that one. You've you've helped out Dusty Harvey and his wife. They got a house through yep. you. Um, any other comics in town? Mm. I'm trying to think. I think that's it. Was that the only one? I think I'll have to look on my list. It's hard yeah. to keep track of everybody, but I think that's I think that's the only comics. Because right I host all the disc golf events, uh, and I've had a couple through that. But I host all the disc golf events. I'm gonna be hosting. I'm gonna be sponsoring Super Dope every year. That's great. Man. Uh, and I'm probably gonna try to sponsor some other. I want to start. F- I wish that I, if I had more, if I if I was in more control of my career, mm-hmm. uh, I would sponsor the most offensive show. Yeah, but I really can't have my shit attached. That's to that. fine, even though because that show is doing well. Oh, I would listen. That I would sponsor doing, it in a heartbeat. That show is doing so well. I would sponsor it in a yeah. heartbeat if I was in control of my own you destiny. Sponsor this show. Uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, guys, make sure you go. Holy shit, we've been talking for an hour and a half, man. That's what's up. All right, guys, make sure you go check out the movie review hour. Check out Loudmouth MMA. Check out Sold with Steel, Kyle Steel Realtors. Uh, buy a house here in Dayton. And uh, he'll he'll hook you up. That's what's up. And uh, until then, you know, uh, you guys can catch me on the movie review hour, hopefully next week. Life, you know, being what it is, we'll see. But uh, other than that, make sure you guys follow me on my website, MikeShayComedy.com, for uh, show dates. There are some more show dates coming up, believe it or not. So we got that coming. Uh, follow me on all the social media at MikeShayComedy. Support the show by going to Patreon.com/slash/BasementLoungePod, and of course. Check out all the other shows we got here on the Basement Lounge podcast feed. Until next time, this is Mike Shea telling you guys, as always, to live well, rock on, take care, and bye-bye.